Hello friends, it's so good to be with you again. I have a message in my heart called the magnificent opportunity of this time. The magnificent opportunity of this time. Uh, we're living in such interesting days and uh, the opportunities that have been built into this time intrigue me. I think there are truths that the Lord is trying to cement in our hearts. I think there are dimensions that He's wanting to bring out for us. There are moments that He's calling us to maximize. And He's given us this break in our usual routines and He's calling us to shelter in place. He's drawn us back into our home. He's built rest into the rhythms of our life. And I've been thinking a lot about this because I, it feels to me like the Lord has been working together with us as a church. He's been moving us to this point because COVID didn't catch God off guard. He knew it was coming. And so I went back and just thought through what has the Lord been saying to us as a church? What are the things He's been whispering? Um, because he knew it was coming and he's built in nutrient for us to prepare us for this time. And he's been speaking to us as a body of believers. Uh, he, he spoke, he brought us through into the series, The Big Kids Table, a little while back. And he began to outline the process of his maturation, how he grows us up, how he develops uh, growth in his people. And then after we looked at that, that process of how God will take us into into training and testing, and then he'll, he'll bring us through mature and stable and able to handle his kingdom. And then we did a series on the keys of his kingdom. Like, what are the things that we can do to unlock God's kingdom on the earth? And so when you put those two together, which are the last two series that the Lord had us do here at the church, we find out that we're on a mission uh, to grow ourselves up, and we're being given an opportunity by the Lord to apply the truths that he's taught us. So I want to take you, just, just a reminder, I want to take you to some clips, uh, uh, just as reminders of these series. So won't you sit back and enjoy these? God is, is completely passionate about training us and growing us up so that we learn how to gain mastery and that we can win. God is invested in giving you the gift of personal victory. He wants you to learn how to overcome. And so many times in the, at the end of our Bible, the book of Revelation, Jesus says, to the one who overcomes, I'll give them this right. I'll give them these blessings. There is this yearning for us to overcome. And so most parents will understand exactly this tension. Parents live in this tension. You, you want to protect your children from life dangers and pain, uh, and, and you, but you also want them to be ready to, to handle those kind of situations. So we're proud when our kids stand on their own feet and they press through tough times and they persevere through the dark night and they, and they find success. There's something about that that's beautiful for a parent. You go, well done. You did it. Because the temptation is to spare them from all pain and pressure. But if you spare your child from all pain and pressure, they end up to be wimps as they grow up. So, so there's this weird balance that we have to find. We have to like controlled exposure to, to tension and pressure because how is your kid going to learn how to stand up against that unless they actually stand up against it? So the pain of watching our children struggle is eclipsed by the joy of watching them overcome, right? And so when they overcome, their souls get filled with a satisfaction and a confidence that springs from no other source. When they have strived and overcome, all our encouragements up to that point are suddenly come into agreement because we go, you can do this, you can do this. Then they do it, then they go, I can do this. 
Suddenly that agreement between our encouragement and their actual achievement cements something in them like nothing else can. God, our Father, has these two desires in perfect balance. So God has a dream. You, you, you can't forget this. The dream of God is why he calls you. He's created you, and he has this thing in mind. The place that God calls you to is the place that you perfectly fit. It is going to be the most congruent you. Everything about who you are, every passion of your heart, every strength of your life, every capacity built into you is going to be at full force, perfectly aligned in the call of God. So God calls you where you are, and he goes, I have a dream for you. Come on. Now, that dream of God for your life is what drives his discipline of you. The way he directs you, the way he builds things into your life is not because he's angry with you. It's not the disdain of God, but the delight of God. It is the dream and the delight of God that, that works this whole process. Can I get an amen? I need one there. So Proverbs 3 says, God disciplines us like the child that he delights in. It is the delight of God, not the anger of God. It's the delight of God that drives his discipline and his training of us. And that's what we want to do. He calls us ever further into his dream for our life. And so because there's this dream and because we're born here, he starts to train us. He starts to commit himself to build into our lives what is necessary to pull us into his call. God enrolls those he wants to use in a developmental process. And he's going to be committed to working in you what is necessary to sustain his work through you. So he's going to teach you some lessons, and then he's going to come and test you to see if you've learned the lessons. These tests are more for your perception than for his perception. They serve as a marker of our progress and a reminder of his love. So God will, will teach me. Okay, son, uh, we spoke last week. He teach you. Okay, when you worship, I destroy the enemy. Because when you worship me, when you get in touch with me, we start worshiping, I, I just break out against the enemy. So if you're under pressure from the enemy, son, what I want you to do is I want you to praise me. Give thanks in all circumstances. Bless the name of the Lord. Because when you do that, he who sacrifices thank offerings honors me and he prepares the way so that I can show him my salvation. So you go, woo, what a nice lesson. Woo. I learned something in church. Sunday, you're just all dancing. Monday, you get pressure. Now the enemy comes. Lord, what's going on? Don't you love me? He goes, no, no, no. Remember yesterday? That when you worship, then oh, you start to worship. And then the enemy's defeated. God teach you a lesson. Then he puts you in a circumstance where you're going to put the lesson to practice. So it's a little pop quiz. When he, um, when he disciplines us, when he works in our life, when, when you feel the Holy Spirit saying, ah, that's not for you, son. Don't get discouraged because that moving, that discipline, that uh, kindness from the Lord is his reaffirmation and proof that, he, that he's chosen us. Because Hebrews says there is no child that is not disciplined by the, by the father because that's what fathers do. And you don't discipline them because you're trying to be harsh with them. You're disciplining them for their good because no discipline is pleasant at the time. But later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness for those who have been trained by it. Not everybody is trained by the disciplines of God. Some people kick and scream against it. 
These disciplines are the reminders of God's love. And they're markers of our progress. Because the Lord will take us to a place where he'll teach us a lesson and then he'll put a test into the mix so that we can demonstrate that we've learned the lesson. Oh, that's good. So the Lord takes you and you're in the sweet moment of worship and this revelation hits you, boom, and you go, oh, that's so cool, Lord. Woo! And then tomorrow, boop, there's the, Lord, what's going on? Remember? remember? Get him. So God has designed you. He's, he's created you to become an overcomer. You are, you are, in fact, more than an overcomer, the scripture says, by Christ Jesus. God has called you to reign in life by one Christ Jesus through the abundant provision of his grace and the gift of his righteousness. You're supposed to be reigning in life. You're more than an overcomer, and God knows that about you. And so the Holy Spirit is not going to leave you in brokenness or in subjection or in humility before the enemy. The Holy Spirit's always going to confront that in you and go, come here, come here. What's this? You're supposed to slap him. You're not supposed to bow down. Now, looking at some of those truths, it, it feels to me like the Lord went ahead of us in preparation in order that we could walk in this time and to cement some of the deep truths that he's been whispering to us. And so he's, he's called and he's prepared us and his design for this moment is for us to come out with upgrades, that we come out stronger and more focused, more full of joy and peace. What you're probably discovering is certainly what we're discovering is that the solution to our over-busy lives was not more time. I've heard so many people say, if I just had a little more time, I'd get to the things. Uh, the solution is not more time, as most of us have currently been given. The solution is a focusing and a refocusing on the things that are important, a simplification of our over-busy lives. This is the opportunity that lies in front of us right now. And it doesn't just come because the opportunity lies there. It comes because we seize the opportunity, because we make ourselves focus on some of the things that God has been speaking to us. So the takeaway from all of this, the upgrade for us, is to come out of this time um, clearer and with vision for a quieter, simpler life. So when this is over, and it is going to be over at some stage, I want to look back on this time, and I want to be able to say that we as a church discovered something. We achieved something. Some truth was cemented and settled in our souls. And for that, I'm not calling for harder work. I'm just calling for smarter work. To realize God has already gone ahead of us into these circumstances, and He stocked them full with every kind of supply that we'll ever need. He has been preparing us for this. He spoke to us, he enumerated the principle, and then he, he taught us because he loves us. And he wants to establish those lessons in us, not just academically, but so that we've mastered it practically. And so uh, about eight months ago, I was spending some time with the Lord, just journaling as I, as I teach people to do. And I felt like one morning the Lord began to speak to me about a new phase that we were going to enter into, he and I. We were coming into a place of he wanted to speak to me. And he began to outline some of the rules that were going to apply to our relationship. So I want to share with you just a page of that journal. I've just recently been sharing this with a few people because I felt the release from the Lord to do so. But I want to share with you, this is my journal from August last year. And this is what I feel like the Lord said to me. Welcome, son, to a new season of instruction. I will awaken you each morning as someone enrolled in college, the college of my spirit, of my heart, and of my mind. There are some principles 
that will help us on this journey. First, you must come to me with your whole heart. Leave nothing behind. Bring everything to the table from your side because everything is on the table from mine. Second, I'm going to need to speak to you sometimes in poetic language, sometimes in metaphor, that your literally minded way of thinking may misunderstand or brush by. My language will cause pause in you, and this is needed now. For the pace at which you learn will make a difference to what you learn. So the rigor of thinking about what I have said is an important part of our process. Third, you must speak back, question, and interact. Because in that interaction, I can engage you at your deepest levels and keep you from thinking about other things while we deal with the treasures of heaven. Uh, let me just say a little advert. During this COVID time, I'm just going to encourage everybody to go to the courses.northlandschurch.com and you can apply the code COVID2020. Courses.northlandschurch.com and the code COVID2020 to any course on the site. And that course will be free for you, as is usual for um, Northlands members. But I would recommend you go to the, the, the course that's on hearing God's voice. And you can find journaling and biblical meditation in there that I think can be helpful to us at this time. If you're wanting the foundations of grace, go to the person of Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross and the teachings about righteousness. Now, I know this journaling that I've just read to you was a word to me personally, and I'm pretty sure it's not scripture. But I felt the release recently uh, to begin talking about it, as is the way that's often with me and the Lord. And this idea that the pace at which we learn impacts what we learn intrigued me. And it put me on a, on a pathway to start to slow down, to start thinking, to spend more time meditating, to spend more time listening. I was intrigued that the Lord said, I want to enroll you uh, like in a college being open to the daily discipline of learning, of showing up to attend lessons, is a part of this course. I was further intrigued by the rules of the college. And the first thing he said to me was wholeheartedness, was the first principle. To be fully present, to be fully committed, to be fully vested, because this matches who he is. He's fully present, fully committed, and fully vested in our discovery and our training of life. I was intrigued by the fact that the pace at which we learn determines what we learn. See, so many times, I don't know if you remember cramming for an exam, uh, crack open the textbook, cram as much as you can, write the exam, pass the exam, and a week later you've forgotten everything that you learned. The pace at which we learn affects what we learn and how we learn it. But I've discovered that if, if I have to pass an exam, it's one thing, but if I have to teach other people uh, and, and I have to get enough mastery of the subject to be able to communicate it to others in a way that they understand, that is a much harder thing. And so there's a call to slow down, I think. And it's necessary at this time. It's part of God's call on our lives. There are things that He wants us to learn, and He wants us to learn them meditating, slowly, at rest, taking time to think about what He has said. And I think He's given us this moment, He's given us this pause, for exactly that reason. I find myself remembering these days more and more of the things that the Lord has taught me recently, things that I had just shot by while acknowledging I'd heard them, but I didn't really have time to get to do them. 
I, I, I just breezed by a lot of things. And as, as I've slowed down a little, as we've had a little more time to just think and talk and speak to the Lord about some of these things, some beautiful things are happening. I was intrigued when the Lord spoke about that His interaction and meditation and questions are going to be necessary in the process of our discovery. Most of the usual excuses of my busyness, my need to be doing and accomplishing, have been stripped away now in this moment. And we can take a moment to reevaluate and reestablish priorities. Our walk with the Lord, our time with the Lord, our prayer lives are becoming more and more important to us. Now is our moment in this quiet before the oncoming rush when we get back to productivity before the inevitable bursting out of our homes and back into the outside lives. Now is the time to settle some things. This is our great upgrade moment. And if we can seize it, this will become the magnificent opportunity of our time. We'll look back on it and call it that. So I want to just mention just two things briefly that I think are going to be helpful to us. Just to remember, I, I know that these are extremely simple and, I, and, I'm, and I'm not pretending to be the authority here. I'm just making suggestions. Can I make a suggestion that if you're going to seize the magnificent opportunity of this time, these are the two things you need to do. Number one, press into Jesus. I understand that you have become one with Jesus when you believed. I know that He has made you one and you can't be more one than you already are. But there are some things that you and I can learn about Jesus. We can grow in our knowledge of Him. We can learn more and more. We can grow in grace. We can grow in our faith and we can certainly grow in our knowledge of the Lord. This is what Paul said in Philippians 3. Paul wrote this at least 20 years after he's become a Christian. He said, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss compared for the sake of Christ. And what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, and the power of His resurrection and the participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead. Paul had been taken to heaven. He'd been preaching for 20 years. He'd seen dead raised. He'd seen many people healed. He'd been beaten. He'd been whipped. He'd been jailed. He'd been shipwrecked, all on account of this. And he still says, I want to know Jesus. He eagerly awaits us in His banqueting room, our lives. The Lord Jesus Christ waits for us to come and press into Him, to spend time with Him, to sup with Him. And now, friends, now is the great opportunity for us to get to know Him for ourselves. Jesus never offered you an easy life, but He did offer you an easy yoke. And life becomes easy because I enter a yoke with the Lord Jesus Christ. I tether myself to Him and together we begin to walk through the daily details of my lives. We are designed, you were designed to be in yoke with Him. It's not a single yoke, it's a double yoke. We're designed to be the branches in a vine. It only works when our connection is strong. 
And I know that we've been made one, but I want to say that there is a part that we can play in strengthening that oneness, not neglecting that oneness, making sure that we grow in our knowledge of God. Colossians 1.10, Paul said, growing in the knowledge of God. 2 Peter 3.18, he said, but grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There is this New Testament expectation that we should constantly be growing. And I want to encourage you. This is your opportunity. It may take you some time. It may take you to slow down and read, maybe meditate, maybe think about it. Because Jesus wants to linger with you. He wants to sup with you. He wants to walk with you and explain the truths of the kingdom so that your hearts burn just like those did on the road to Emmaus. These days offer this great work. It's the magnificent opportunity of our time. In The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, a great book by John Mark Comer, he, he says this, Corrie ten Boom once said that if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. There's a truth in that. Both sin and busyness have the same effect. They cut off your connection to God, to other people, and even to your own soul. Right now, there's this magnificent opportunity for you and I to spend a little more time, to slow down a little more, to spend our days thinking and praying and questioning and spending time with the Lord. Press in to Jesus. The second thing that I think is the magnificent opportunity of this time is to pray into His abundant promises. Press into Jesus, pray into His abundant promises. I thought Michelle's message last week was exactly on point. It was exactly the right thing for the season. The call of the Lord to occupy ourselves with earnest prayer about the things that we are hearing and do not yet see. It is those promises, the things that we caught from Him, the whispers we overheard in the secret place and that resonate so deeply in our hearts. These are the things we should allow us to be motivated to pray. All around us, it may look like there's been three and a half years of famine in a desert land. There may be no greenery. There may be just dust devils swirling. It may be 120 degrees out. There may be everybody on the lookout saying there is nothing coming. But I hear the sound of a downpour and I don't care how many people are telling me that it isn't here yet. I don't mind that there isn't any evidence of it yet. I don't mind how hot the temperature is or how dire the view looks, but I hear the sound of an abundant rain and I will not stop praying until the first wisp of a cloud starts to manifest. This is our hour of prayer and it's fueled by the faith that is stirred in our heart by the sound of God's promises. This is a magnificent opportunity for us to press in and go seek the Lord and cry out again and again. Now are our days of earnest prayer. Now our time of inner confidence. Now the time to focus on the sounds of heaven. So let your faith arise. Stir yourself up. I'm not talking about in public. I'm talking about when you kneel down privately in your prayer closet, as Jesus called it, in urgent cries to God. Let your fervency be demonstrated in the secret place because you know I have heard from my God. I've heard the sound of an abundance of rain and I don't mind that I don't see it now, but I'm praying that rain in. And, I, and I'll send people out to go, is it here yet? And I don't mind. They say, not yet. Yet, it just stirs me to more prayer because I've heard the sound 
of an abundant promise from my Father. And if you'll do that in the secret place, your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. James 5 says, Elijah was a human being just like we are. And he prayed earnestly it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. And again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. One of the versions of that uh, is, talks about the skies opened up and they poured down and the showers that made everything grow again. If you were to go into your prayer closet and, and pray earnestly, could you dream a dream that the, the heavens opened up and they poured down the answers? What would the answers to your prayers look like? I think you should let the, the, prom, the sound of the promises stir your imagination and begin to see the answers coming. Because the moment that cloud, wisp of a cloud began to come up, he said, you better tell that king to get off this mountain because when that rain starts, this flood, flash floods are going to flow down this mountain and it's going to hit the valley and he's going to get either washed away in the flood or he's going to get caught in the mud in the valley. Tell him he better, he better go now because something's about to happen. Elijah already had a picture in his mind about what was going to happen. And we need to stir ourselves, let the promises of God stir our imaginations and this fuel will be the, the, the fuel for our prayers. And when we see the answers to these prayers, it's going to be a time of great joy. This is the magnificent opportunity of our time. When we come out of this season, I'm going to want to know Jesus better. And I'm going to want to know the harvest of the prayer seeds that we've sown now. So my counsel is to get rid of clutter, clean house, Reorganize routines, refocus priorities. And I'm not just talking about what's happening in the natural. I'm talking about spiritually. Get rid of clutter, clean house, reorganize your routine, refocus your priorities. This is the grand opportunity of this time. Press into Jesus. Press in to the abundant promises. God is giving us a moment. He's slowing us down. Because he wants to cement some beautiful, eternal, and heaven-built truth into our lives. As a practical matter, uh, for now we're going to continue to meet virtually. I know there's been some excitement this week about uh, the governor saying certain things. And, but for now we're going to be uh, staying as we are. We're going to meet virtually. Uh, I, I know we can't wait to hug. I know it's going to be great to get back in the building. What a celebration it's going to be when we can. But we're going to stay as we are until we're absolutely convinced that it's going to be safe for every member for us to meet again. And we'll be in touch with you uh, with enough advance notice before anything like that happens. That'll be something of a discussion with the eldership. But the magnificent opportunity of our time and what I'm suggesting to you is that you set aside more time to press into Jesus and to pray into His promised abundance. As you do, I think we're going to discover as we leave this time and as we see the answers to what God has called us to, we're going to look back on this as what a great and beautiful advantage this was. This was the magnificent opportunity of our time. God bless you. We're looking forward to seeing you again soon. Thanks for being with us.